0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Jews were not wrong when they supposed that the Messiah would be a great king and rule over the world. But their ideas about Christ's kingdom were all wrong. If only their ideas had disappeared with their times. But sadly, they have not. Most Christians today have the same Jewish ideas of the kingdom of God. This morning, the gospel text serves as a warning and an admonition. Jesus fed crowds of thousands on more than one occasion. The specific point in John's text is that when the crowds saw the miracles that Jesus did, they not only said, This is the prophet who is to come into the world, that is, the Messiah, but they also decided to take him by force and make him king. If you think this is a story that only happened long ago, think again. Christians today, perhaps even you, have plans to take Jesus by force. That is, to say to Jesus, here is how your kingdom will be. Here is how you will rule over us. Here is what you will do for us. Many want to seize Jesus and make him a king. And how does this happen? It happens when Christians say, I want to be in Christ's kingdom, but I don't want to have to change my heart to repent, or Jesus exists to make my life go better. Walk into any big box church, or Mick church as I often call them, and you'll hear a motivational message designed to help you love yourself more, achieve financial success, and live a more fulfilling life. Except for the occasional Bible verse, the message is nearly identical to the one you're likely to hear from a secular speaker at a company retreat. The crowds had seen Jesus perform many great miracles. He gave sight to the blind, cast out demons, even raised the dead. But it was only after he gave them bread that they tried to make him their king. Why? Because the sinful nature loves to put an inordinate focus on physical needs over spiritual ones. Jesus had come to drive out Satan, conquer death, and open the gateway to eternal life. Yet the people were chiefly concerned with having full bellies. And when it became clear that Jesus had the power to meet that need, then they immediately tried to make him king. Many Christians live this way today. Jesus is useful to make my life go better. He gives me that added purpose. He helps me achieve my dreams. And by many Christians, I must include many Lutherans. Some will say, I go to church because it makes me feel good inside. Now, that's not inherently wrong after being filled up with the word of God and the medicine of immortality from the Lord's table, you just might go away feeling pretty good. I hope you do. But there is a danger in measuring our experience with Jesus according to how it makes us feel. If the crowd forces Jesus to be king one day because he gives them bread, what happens the next day if he doesn't give them bread exactly when they want it? If Jesus' words make you feel good this Sunday, what about next Sunday when his words cut you to the heart and call you to repentance? Do you see the danger here? If we think of Jesus merely as a means to a more successful, comfortable, and easy life, he will ultimately turn out to be a disappointment. And nearly every one of Jesus' sermons includes this admonition, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, that's not a very comfortable message. To those who think that Jesus offers a life of ease, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The crowd came to Jesus with their sights set only on the cares of this life. He filled their bellies, and they tried to make him king. They came back the next day looking for more bread, but instead Jesus preached to them, and they didn't like what he had to say. The very same men who had tried to make him king only the day before then said to one another, This is a harsh saying. Who can hear it? Jesus started that sermon with 5,000 disciples. When he finished, only 12 were left. Any faithful pastor who preaches the words of Jesus today is likely to hear a similar complaint. Pastor, I go to church to feel good. When you talk about sin, I don't feel good, so stop doing it. This is nothing other than trying to force Jesus to be king. Not the king that he is by right, but the king our sinful nature would have him be. Give us bread, fix what ails us, heal our self-esteem, help my sports team win the tournament. But whatever you do, Jesus, don't expect me to give anything up. Don't call me to change my ways or repent. Jesus, you can be my king, but you're going to have to play by my rules. Let me tell you how this kingdom of yours is going to work. Let me tell you what you and your church can do for me. What did Jesus do with their efforts to make him king? He disappeared from their midst, and he does the same thing today. There are many so-called churches where Jesus has not been seen or heard from in years. Could that happen to us, to you? May God protect us from this, but yes, it is a very real and ever-present danger. That's one of the reasons we sing every Sunday, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We are asking God to frustrate the designs of the sinful nature that lives within each one of us. Jesus will not rule according to our dictates. He will not operate the church the way the old Adam would have him. He loves you far too much for that. And because he loves you, he refuses to be the king we might want and is instead the king we need. Jesus rejects the crown we would have given him in our bread-loving ways, And chooses his own crown, the crown of thorns. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about us having peace and comfort and happiness in this life. He did have compassion on the hungry crowd. He fed them with literal, physical bread. But Jesus cares far more about your eternal soul. And for this reason, He refused to be coronated at the hands of a hungry crowd in the Galilean hills and was coronated instead by Roman soldiers on a hill outside Jerusalem, Mount Calvary. If your expectation of Jesus has been wrapped up only in the concerns of this life, if he's been your king only to satisfy your earthly hungers, then repent and receive from his hand something far better. Hear the words of Jesus, no matter how harsh they may appear to your sinful nature, because these are the only words that can give you salvation. Come to the table he has prepared for you in the wilderness, and receive the true bread, which is his body broken for you drink from his chalice, and depart with something far greater than simply a good feeling inside. Depart with true and lasting forgiveness. No, Jesus will not be king on our terms. And this is deeply offensive to the old Adam. Instead, he establishes his kingdom on his terms. And just as the meal he prepared for the 5,000 was extravagantly beyond even what his own disciples could have imagined, so too what Jesus has prepared for those who love him and are not offended by his words. He says to you today, do not labor for the bread which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Whoever eats this bread We'll live forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.